For whoever is claiming that they're bringing sexy back, sexy never left. Hit it! Listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your host Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Take off your clothes. Sonny. So this week we venture out of the the normal realm for growing up rock, but I think it's going to be kind of cool and it'll be interesting to see what kind of response we get from this episode because it's definitely stepping a little bit outside of our comfort zone, but I think it's for a reasonable cause and I think it's going to be a cool episode. So this week coming up, the week that we will be releasing this will mark the second anniversary of the passing of Prince. Yeah, I remember when I heard the news, it was almost like a family member died. Uh, That's how I took it. And uh, I couldn't listen to any Prince music for weeks. And you know how, you know, whether it's Sirius Radio or you listen to podcasts or whatever, is after somebody dies, everybody's got an episode on that person. I could not listen to any of that stuff. Prince has always been a very special thing in my life, and uh, to know that he's gone was tough for me. So I'm glad we're doing this. Yeah, it'll definitely. Uh, it was definitely shocking for me, and uh, I was a Prince fan, but not always a Prince fan. We'll talk a little bit more about that later on. But before we get too far into what this episode is going to be about and what we're doing. Let's talk a little bit about the Rock and Pod Expo coming up. And I'm sure the listeners are going to get tired of hearing about this, but they're going to hear about it until this thing happens or until we reach our goal. Because the Rock and Pod Expo is a completely 100% crowdfunded expo. We don't make any money off of it. All we're doing is trying to cover the cost of actually doing the expo. And so the expo is taking place Saturday, August 25th at the Nashville Palace in Nashville, Tennessee, with a pre-concert taking place Friday night, August 24th. We haven't announced who will be doing the concert, but If you don't know what the Rock and Pod Expo is, it is 20 plus podcasters and their shows from all over North America appearing and recording on site with special appearances and autograph sessions from various rock stars, producers, along with special discussion panels. That about cover it, Sonny? Uh, Yeah, and it was a ton of fun last year, and there was a lot of good material that came out of that on the podcast. So it's worth doing. Yeah. So they also bring in like memorabilia vendors and uh, record vendors and different things like that. Last year, you know, there was people like Slaughter and Tora Tora and 
the band Raven. I mean, the classic metal band Raven was there and just a lot of really, really cool special guests along the way. So it was really, really a great expo. It's fun to attend, but even if you can't attend because everybody can't make their way to Nashville, then you can definitely take advantage of some of the really cool perks that the podcast are offering for us. If you just go to gofundme.com forward slash rock and pod, that's R-O-C-K-N-P-O-D 2018, and simply donate any amount in the comments section, put donation for growing up rock or just G-U-R will do just fine. But if you donate 10 bucks, that'll get you into VIP audio access. So that'll give you special exclusive content that all the podcasts that are participating are recording. I just recorded a really super cool like kiss special with Eric Miller from Pods and Sods and Victor Ruiz from Mars Attack podcast. And it turned out really well, I thought. So we did a little uh, hour special together for this very reason, the, the VIP audio access. So if you donate 10 bucks, you get access to that exclusive content. And there's going to be a lot of podcasts recording a lot of different content. Uh, you're doing something, right? Yeah, so we are giving away this KISS tribute CD from Podcast Rock City. So we reviewed it last week. So we've got some of that stuff out there. So you can check that on the website if you want. But it's important that you know people donate to this thing because to get it off the ground costs a lot of money. And I will tell you, guys like Christopher Williams, who is currently the drummer in Accept, he was there the entire 10, 11 hours last year? Yeah, he was. Like, I I sat right next to Mark Slaughter and talked to him for an hour and a half. There's no way in hell I'd even encounter Mark Slaughter in my regular life. No. And I mean, again, if you can't be there, we get it. Everybody can't make a trip to Nashville, but you got plenty of time to plan. But even if you can't be there, you can listen back to a lot of this content that comes out from all the different podcasts. And it's basically like you're there because you get a lot of what's going on, things like that. Growing Up Rock is doing a bunch of different perks. So one of the things we're going to do is we're going to do a $5 raffle entry to win different prizes. So donate five bucks and you get entered into this raffle to win an autographed copy of Bob Kulik's Skeletons in the Closet CD. I have actual stage-used picks from Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons that were used on the Animalized tour. I got them myself because I was working that show uh, on the Animalized tour when I worked for a local arena and picked those picks up myself. So they've got the logo, they've got the imprinted autograph on the back of the picks. So we're going to... Do a couple of those in the raffle. Uh, I've got a double XL prototype grown up rock black t-shirt brand new that we're going to raffle off as well. So all that is a $5 entry. Then we have $10 will get you to, you can pick any of the crank it up new music spotlights uh, for an episode. So donate $10, give us your crank it up music and we will make sure that gets in the upcoming episode. Sonny, you want to read some of these other ones? Yeah, for 25 bucks, uh, you can record your own growing up rock story. 
So basically, you know, how you got into rock and roll, some of your early memories of music that meant a lot to you back in the day. And that's going to be about a 30-minute episode. For 50 bucks, which we've already had one of those we're going to record later in the month, you can come on the show and record a This Ain't No Disco, where you pick a year and we discuss some of the songs and albums that you like. Eight to ten songs, you pick them, we play them, we'll talk them over. Uh, $75, you take over the show. You can do everything from Crank It Up Spotlight all the way to the historic moment. You can even shuffle us out if you want, and uh, we'll even send you a, a T-shirt on top of that. So it's pretty cool if you've ever wanted to do a podcast, you ever wanted to try it, you want to hear your voice on radio, which this is the new radio. That's what podcasting is all about. It's a good way to kind of get in and get over some of the nervousness that you might feel out of the gate. If you've got a new band and you guys think you got a rocking song and you want to donate 10 bucks and have us play it on the Crank It Up Spotlight, we'll play your new song on, right? So there's a lot of different ways you can take advantage of it, so it's pretty cool. Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word. G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K dot com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. All right. So Grown Ups of the Week. We had tons of people uh, share us on Facebook and retweet us on Twitter. So before we get to that, we also had another review. So this was from Scott Compton. It was a Facebook review. It says, awesome show. Steve and Sonny are a fun duo to listen to. Check them out. So thank you for that, Scott. Grownups of the Week, Alan Tate, Mark Winder 8, Nerds with Words, Kelly Smith, Nazo Music, DNR Studio CEO, Metal Empire Mag, Jizzy, J-Z-Z-Y, Ogata, Potter Than Hell Podcast, 6999Kit, which is a Twitter handle. Jay Zablewski, Robin Smith, Restrained, Jody Havnot, Nighthawk, Eladio, Save Rock and Metal, Jason Alexander, The Decibel Geek Podcast. They just did an Albums Unleashed on the new Bullet Boys record. Wow. Is it good? I haven't heard it yet. Wow. Cool. Tony Masalam shared us, Rick Frio, Diego Padrino, Steve Wright, Janet Eck, Shawana Lee, Ages of Rock Podcast, Lady Lake Music, Daryl Alber, Bella Lowe's 1966, David Cathy, Bill Elam, and Anna Maria. So we had a lot of shares. We appreciate it. And uh, thanks for uh, putting us out there in Internet world. Sweet. All right, Sonny. So that's enough of the business end of things. So it's time to get into this episode. So like we said at the top of the episode, we're venturing into new territory for Grown Up Rock. It's kind of a one-off, but it'll be interesting to see what folks think of this episode. Hopefully they dig it. I know that a lot of uh, the hard rock and metal people out there, they have wide variety of taste and uh, metal is just one of them. And it's the same kind of for you and I, we don't listen nonstop 24 hours a day to rock and metal. Contrary to belief, we just choose to kind of use that as our platform for growing up rock. But today we're going to visit the sort of the guitar driven music of Prince as a tribute to this uh, second year in his passing. 
So tell me, Sonny, how did you end up getting into Prince? When did Prince first come on your radar? Yeah, for me, it was MTV. And it was summer of 84. When Doves Cry was already out there. Purple Rain hadn't been released yet, but the single was already out there. And, uh, you know, for anyone that knows that song, which was obviously a super popular song, it's so catchy. It is just grabs you if you're any type of rock or pop fan it's hard to dismiss that song it just is and it was on mtv constantly then after that the album came out in june let's go crazy came out in july and one of my first album purchases which i've told the story before i bought four albums the same time as my first album purchase one of them was purple rain and i had seen the movie tons just loved everything about that whole top 40 mix rock and funk. I love, I still do Motown and that was kind of in there. I love Jimi Hendrix and that was kind of in there. Just So you the loved guy, it from the get go. You loved oh, it from the get go. Okay. So yeah. I was completely the opposite. So when Prince came out for me, you know, I was a little bit like you in that I started seeing the videos on MTV. I don't necessarily remember Dove's Cry being the first. I think I saw some earlier stuff maybe. And at the time, I was kind of, I was in high school and I was going through my strictly metal phase. That's all I wanted to know. I didn't want to know anything else, like literally. Like I was so, I was so prejudiced to other music, period, at that point. Like, even I think I've talked about it before, but even back in those days, like I didn't even like certain bands because of the way they looked. Like I wasn't a huge Aerosmith fan because I didn't like the way Steven Tyler looked. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, crazy stuff like that, man. And I mean, it is what it is. You're young and you're kind of going through these phases and, and that's what it was. So I hated Prince. I couldn't stand it because his video being on MTV, whatever video it was, whether it was Dove's Cry or I want to say it was 1999. That seems to be like what I remember most. Um, that and Little Red Corvette. Little Red Corvette, they played the shit out of. But yeah. his videos being on MTV means that one of my very few metal videos that they might have played at three o'clock in the morning on MTV wasn't going to get played. I mean, basically, that's what it came down to for me, you know, and I remember just waiting hours around MTV just to see like, you know, the Scorpions, no one like you or something like that. So that's kind of my first impression was that it wasn't I didn't, you know, I wasn't going as at a girl or a guy or anything like that. And I wasn't even really listening to the music. I was just kind of like, hey, it's not Scorpions or it's not. Iron Maiden or it's not Van Halen. So <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to hear it. And you know, that's just the phase that I went through. Obviously as time goes on, you grow up and you start getting into different things. Then uh, you open up your ears and you mature a lot. And uh, I think probably the gateway to Prince for me all came at once with uh, funk and James Brown and, and Motown and, you know, Michael Jackson, just all this, all this different stuff, this soul and this R&B and funk. Funk was a really, really big portion of the gateway for me into this kind of stuff. 
Uh, and so that kind of opened up the floodgates for me. Yeah, I uh, I totally get the whole the metal video not being on till 3 a.m. because, you know, MTV ended up basically brainwashing me, me waiting to see Heavens on Fire, but having to go through Rio 1999, all, you know, George Michael, Wham, Madonna, like Hall of Notes, having to sit through all those. I'm like, well, man, I like that music. I like that too. I like that too. I like that too. And I just kind of, it was just, I couldn't get enough music at the time and it didn't have to all be metal. Yeah. So, hey, we're going to try to focus on some little bit more out of the way songs and some maybe a little bit guitar driven Prince stuff, but I'm going to play one real quick off the second Prince record. And it was the fifth worldwide single that was released off of this record in 79. Uh, They later re-recorded this song, but uh, this is a song called Bambi.
Yeah, no doubt he's got lead guitar skills, right? I mean, it's yeah, pretty ballsy for 1979. Without a doubt. Did you ever did you ever get a chance to uh, see him live? Uh, yeah, I've seen him four times. So um, I saw him in 88, uh, Love Sexy Tour, and I was a big Oakland Coliseum sold out. Yeah. You know, this is 88's like probably at the tail end of his heyday yeah. kind of thing. Then I saw him in 93 at the San Francisco Civic in uh, in April. And that tour was a little bit off the cuff. And it was, I don't know if it was sold out, but it was packed. There's no doubt about that. I saw him at my favorite place, which is the Conquer Pavilion. and went there constantly. Saw him in 98 there in October. And I remember they put the tickets on sale and I think they sold out in three minutes. Wow. Yeah. And then... The best time I ever saw him was in 2013 in a club with 800 people. Wow, that would have been crazy. Yeah, yeah I remember and, you talking about that. That was like one of your favorite concerts of all time, if I recall correctly, right? Yeah, absolutely. And Tony yeah. from Restrain, he went with me. And I remember I put my arms up and then I couldn't get him back down because, you know, the place is packed. It's right. body to body, right? right? So I remember looking at Tone going, dude, move over. I got to get my arms down. He goes, move where? Move. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but he's awesome live. What you got? You got something to play for us? Yeah. So uh, I'm going to go with something a little weird. Let's play it first, and then we'll talk about it right afterwards. This is a temptation off of Around the World a Day. Cheers, baby. Mine is 
So check this out. Around the World in a Day came out after Purple Rain, and it kind of had mixed reviews. It had songs like Raspberry Beret, which were all over radio and all over video. But that song we just played obviously is a little more psychedelic, and it's a little more soul funk. And uh, so there was people giving him some heartache, especially the record company, about he didn't write another Purple Rain. So I found a couple of quotes he said, which I thought were pretty funny. Here's, uh, here's one of his quotes. He says, I talked to George Clinton, a man who knows and has done so much for funk. George told me how much he liked Around the World in a Day. You know how much more his words mean to me than some mamma jamma wearing glasses and an alligator shirt behind a typewriter? I've heard some people say I'm, I'm not talking about anything on this record. And what a lot of people get wrong about the record is I'm not trying to be some great visionary wizard. He was just putting on tape whatever was in his head and as long as his heroes appreciated it he was good right yeah. right so, and i think that's interesting right yeah it's interesting hearing you talk about you know all the times that you've seen him and i, I gotta be honest i i was lucky enough to see him once and i saw him in a, a smaller venue not a 
800 person club. I saw him at um, the Fox Theater here in Atlanta, which is a beautiful theater. It's about 5,000 seats. You know who opened up that was really cool? That was a great double bill because uh, Sly and the Family Stone opened up. Oh yeah, he's a big Sly fan. Yeah, and he had he had Sly and the Family Stone open up, and I think I want to say it was like on the um, Emancipation, wasn't that the double CD? Yeah, yeah. Yep. I think that was the tour that it was on. And then I'd heard like he was notorious for this, but I'd heard like after that show, he was staying at like this hotel down in Buckhead called the W Hotel, and I heard that he uh, he set up shop and ended up playing for like four or five hours down in the lounge at the W hotel that night. I wish yeah. I'd have seen that. That'd have been super cool. <laughs> yeah. And that's the other thing, right? Even purple rain had some weird songs on it. I love them all, but there's some weird songs on there. But if you think about it, like he'd throw that raspberry beret out to compete with the other songs that are big in 85. Yeah. But he didn't want a whole album of that stuff. Right. Right. So just a different take. And I think that's why he was always in fights with his record companies. Yeah. He, I mean, he was a true artist. He wanted to do whatever he wanted to do, whatever he was feeling at the time, you know, if he wanted to make, I'm actually surprised that he didn't make just a flat out rock record from start to finish, you know, because I mean, he, he obviously dabbled in it all over the place, but he never made like a flat out, rock record or flat out country record or you know something like that i'm surprised he didn't dip his uh hand into country at some point but you know and that kind of brings us to this next song that i'm gonna play i'm gonna play this song called chaos and disorder and then i'll talk a little bit about it afterwards uh this is a song called chaos and disorder off the same title record
All right, so this song was Prince's 18th studio record. Um, and it came out around 95, 96, in and around there. But this was a record that Prince did not want to promote. Uh, and this was at the time, he didn't promote it. I mean, he didn't, he didn't want to, but he also didn't promote it. And this was at the time that all the crap was going down with Warner Brothers. He was just, he was in an all-out fight with Warner Brothers, which eventually led to him, you know, getting away from them and changing his name to symbol and all this other stuff that went along with it. But this was a record that kind of got caught up in all that. And, uh, it shows cause I, I really didn't know a ton about this record very little. So, but I like the song chaos and disorder. Good song. Yeah. After love sexy, really people know diamonds and pearls. And then there's a bunch of blank space. But the guy released 39 studio albums and 41 other releases. And that doesn't count stuff like The Time or the stuff he wrote for Shaka Khan or anybody else. So he was constantly releasing stuff, but some stuff he released just on his website. Some stuff he just put in UK newspapers. Some he just uh, released on iTunes and nothing else. So he was doing all kinds of weird stuff. You didn't never meet him, did you? No, I never met him. And I don't know... If I would have been able to like the guy was just this, I don't know, just kind of this untouchable being in my head. Do you read at all? A little bit. So I recently, uh, and by recently, I mean probably a year at this point, but I recently read the Carmine, a peace book. I can't remember what it's called now, like sex and drums or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was really, it was a good book. And so I recently read that book and he has a great, like a great print story in there. At one point in time, he was staying with his girlfriend in this apartment in California. And this was, when did he say this was? I think sometime in the late seventies, early eighties, something like that. But somehow, some way Prince uh, was his girlfriend's roommate. And so Prince would, he would always go over to her house uh, and Prince would be like laying on the couch and stuff. And he just kind of, it was a good story, kind of talked about how, how shy Prince was and Prince would play him some of his music. And it was before, it was obviously before Prince broke really big, you know, but just some interesting stories. That's a great book. That Carmine a Peace book is really a, a fun book to read. There's a lot of cool stuff in that book. He's done and played with a lot of people, obviously, but um, yeah. that was just one of the antidotes in that book. All right. So the next song I'm going to play for you, can't even explain it. Just take a listen. Hey, whoop it up, yeah.
So that was Loose from the album Come. And as you can hear in there, there's industrial rock, there's Marilyn Manson, there's Nine Inch Nails, there's James Brown. Like he's just all over the place, but he makes it work. Like every song has a hook, no matter how weird it gets. And uh, that's just, you know, great artistry in my opinion. This was off his 15th album, 94, so a lot of people don't know this album. And it was the last album he did on Warner Brothers until he re-signed with them later. But, <laughs> you know, it was normal that Prince did everything, right? So he he recorded all the instruments, did all the vocals on the track we just played. Every once in a while, he would have the revolution help or he would bring musicians in. But this guy, like in 78, 79, those first two albums, it was unheard of. To have the one person play it all, sing it all, produce it all, mix it all. Like he had it with his record company to where he did it from front to back. And that's amazing. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. One talented dude for sure. No doubt about it. All right. So I'm going to bust this one out. Give it a listen. This is a song called Screwdriver. Every day when I wake up, got to make up. The reason to make it last Miss Mistake up If we break up We smash guitars and shatter glass But till the day that we do I'm your driver, you're my screw Everywhere that we 
So this is the ninth track off of uh, Prince's 39th studio album, Hit and Run Phase 2. It was actually released three years earlier as a single, but for whatever reason, it never showed up on the record until he put out Hit and Run Phase 2. So just an interesting song altogether. Definitely a little mixture of guitar in on that. And just kind of shows off his talent once again. I mean, he can write all kinds of songs, and that's a perfect example of that for sure. What I love is he's goofy, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm your driver, you're my screw. Like, he's just goofy. Yeah. And uh, so it just shows that he doesn't take it, you know, he takes his music super seriously, but he's still funny when he does it, which is cool, right? And when he released this as a single, he was trying to figure out if he was going to use iTunes as part of what he was doing in releasing music. And then the hit and run thing actually only released a target. So when everybody was going to Walmart and releasing their stuff, like I think uh, Kiss did Monster with Walmart, he went and did this with Target. You know, he was trying to figure out how to uh, not only protect his music, not only make money, but not have everybody on the planet download his stuff for free. Yeah, and I think they were talking about this song being part of that project that he was doing with a couple of those girls that ended yeah, up joining. Yeah, third eye girl. Yeah, yeah, that ended up joining his band, Hannah Ford and Donna Grantis. Yeah. So I think originally that was kind of the plan. It ended up on the record. They ended up joining his band, and 
that's what it ended up happening. So he was involved in all kinds of different offshoot projects. They they usually involved girls, which you know I ain't mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. All right. So just like the lovely Samantha said, you can definitely subscribe to our podcast. And if you want to help out the podcast, a perfectly great way to help out the podcast is by going to our website at growinguprock.com. G-R-O-W-U-P-R-O-C-K dot com and scroll down just a little bit and hit that Amazon banner to do your shopping at Amazon. Takes you straight to the Amazon site. Absolutely cost you nothing more and you can pick up all the latest and greatest Prince records because there's a ton of them out there. So go hook yourself up with Prince and while you're there, you can buy a couple six packs of soda, some chips, and if you so inclined, buy yourself a brand new bed. Uh, what else can they buy, Sonny? <laughs> you can you can buy tons of stuff. I've been buying stuff all week. I'll think of something and I'll just order it because I'm an Amazon Prime member, so it ends up coming in two days. It's pretty easy to use, and everybody uses it, so they kick us back a little bit of money. It helps us out, so we appreciate you doing that. Yeah, you know what I bought the other day because I was frustrated I couldn't find an air filter for my car. <laughs> so flat out there it was on amazon ordered it right up delivered to my door in two days fantastic love it yep love it absolutely great and then if you just don't want to go to amazon do any shopping you can always click that little donate button right there and leave us five bucks ten bucks fifteen bucks whatever you think this entertainment is worth because obviously you're listening to it so hopefully you're enjoying it and that's all I got to say about that because it ain't free to do this show and it'll help us out a little bit to at least pay for our hosting cost fees. All right, let's get back into the music, my friend. All right, so I have more Prince songs than I have Kiss songs. That's how big of a Prince fan I am. And I want to play one of my favorite, I would say top 10 easy, possibly top five came out in 2007 on the album Planet Earth. It's got a great guitar solo, but what's what's interesting about this album is he had signed on with Columbia Records to release it and then the day before the release gave it away free in a England newspaper and obviously made the record company mad. So, you know, that's just kind of how we did business sometimes, you know, you never know how that business goes, but it's a great song. It's called Guitar, and Steven, I love you, baby, but not like I love this guitar. Check it out. Sweet.
song yeah and it's so simple right for some of the other stuff that he's written it's pretty simple but it's just got this kind of pop hook that's good so many of his guitar lines and so much of this stuff that we're playing today too you could see where he could have so easily made like hendrix-esque record you know what i mean I mean, you can tell he's definitely influenced by Hendrix, not only in, in a lot of his guitar tones, but some of the licks he plays. And I mean, he's just definitely obviously influenced by Hendrix, which, you know, that doesn't surprise me at all. But I wish that he would have just done a front to back like Hendrix record or rock record or something like that, because I'd have been interested to hear it. Don't you think? Yeah, I, me too. But I would think that, he was trying not to get pigeonholed as somebody, right? So obviously he had influence from Jimi Hendrix. He had James Brown, Stevie Wonder, right? There was a lot of things he was listening to that kind of engulfed who he was that created that Minneapolis sound kind of thing. But he wanted, I think he wanted to be very careful that people don't see him. Oh, you're the new Hendrix. Yeah. Or, oh, you're the new blah, blah, blah. Like he, It was almost like he was going there, and then he would dial it back, going, no, 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 I can do that, but I don't only do that. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah. I had the honor of, uh, while I was on the road and, and touring in the early days, of uh, playing the uh, 7th Avenue Club there in Minneapolis. Oh, that's a great club. I've been it in It is club. a cool club, yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, if I recall correctly, we even signed the wall or something because uh, I think that was part of the deal is everybody signs the wall. There's signatures all over the place, if I do recall correctly. That was kind of cool. I enjoyed seeing that historical piece of uh, property and being able to do a show there. So, listen, this next song I'm going to play, I love it. And um, if there's anything that resembles a straight up rock song from Prince. This is probably one of them. This is a song that came off of his 17th album, the gold experience. And this is the first record to kind of be credited to the symbol as opposed to Prince. And so this song was a promo that they kind of released right before the record came out. And this is a song called endorphin machine. 
That's that's a great song. Those screams that he does, yeah, you can't copy those. That that's hard. I mean, can you ask for more cowbell? Come on, baby. <laughs> Come on, baby. That's good stuff. I mean, that's just a straight up kind of pop rock type. You know, I mean, that's. Do you, let me ask you this, Sonny. Do you think maybe he's he's probably got like a rock record in the vault somewhere? I think so. I think there's enough tracks that you could probably make a rock record out of it. I'm just hoping that the estate handles all that well. And, you know, if I was my choice and I had that estate, I would put out music every year and just keep putting it. You don't put it out as one big box. Just keep his name relevant to where he's as big as the Beatles and some of that as time goes on as music lives on for the next couple of generations yeah right well i think it's starting off on the wrong foot i think there's already battles his his sister's involved with or whatever but 
Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah. We'll see how that all ends up. That'll be interesting for sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. The next song I'm going to play, I'm going to change it up a little bit, actually. I'm going to play a song off Diamonds and Pearls. So 1991, he's just come off this disaster movie called Graffiti Bridge. And, you know, I'm a huge Prince fan, but I'm going to call it like it is. That movie's just not good. But, hey, there's some killer music on that record, though. There, there is. But uh, that movie was no Purple Rain. That's for damn sure. True. So – you know, the music was good, but it didn't sell that well. It was on the tail end of the 80s, and then coming back into the early 90s, Diamond and Pearls comes out. And this was kind of supposed to be his comeback album, and it did end up that way because Get Off, Cream, Insatiable, Diamonds and Pearls, Money Don't Matter Tonight, those are some iconic Prince songs that uh, a lot of them were hits. And he had some writing partners on this album, and so... Back to front, I would say Diamonds and Pearls is a really, really good album. But song we're going to play for you is the first song off the album called Thunder. Thunder all through the night. Promise to see Jesus in the morning light. Take my hand, it'll be all right. Come on, save your soul tonight.
Sánchez. All through the night. Yeah, rumor is that was written during an ecstasy trip. Sweet. <laughs> that's the that's the rumor. <laughs> who knows? You know who knew who knew Prince was doing drugs. I mean, he never really came off as a druggy type individual. You know what I'm saying? He just he kind of stayed out of the limelight a little bit, right? So I thought because all this stuff he was writing, all this money he was making, I figured he's worth billions. Like I have no idea. Yeah. So then to come to find out his estate was worth like two hundred million or whatever, I'm like, really? That's it? Now two hundred million dollars is a lot of money, but for some reason I had in my head that this guy was like rolling in it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Prince opened my eyes to a lot of variations of music, and just if nothing else, like if you didn't even like his music, which it's hard for me to believe that you couldn't find anything in there of that vast catalog that you didn't like but you had to respect his musicianship like you said he's playing all the instruments and he's not just playing them like to play them he's playing them really above average uh he's an above average guitar player he's not an average anything and so it's kind of amazing and i know that for the most part we've kind of dug deep on this episode and dug out some, you know, guitar laden songs and um, deep tracks and things like that. Uh, but I got to be honest, this next song I'm going to play is probably the least deep track ever, but it's got to be one of my favorite songs of his of all time. And I would be completely insane if I didn't want to play this on this show so all I got to say about this, Sonny, is dearly beloved, we are gathered here to celebrate a beautiful song called Let's Go Crazy. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. Electric word, life, it means forever, and that's a mighty long time. But I'm here to tell you, there's something else. The afterworld. A world of never-ending happiness. You can always see the sun, day or night. So when you call up that shrink in Beverly Hills, you know the one. Doctor, everything will be alright. Let's go! 
right, so a couple of uh, <laughs> comments on this song. One, I heard a Matt Fink interview. Uh, he was a keyboardist in uh, Revolution. Yeah. And he says it was a live recording. So the guitar solos were off the cuff. What he said at the beginning was off the cuff, that it was not scripted. Yeah, I've heard that as well. Hard to believe, but okay. Bruno Mars did Let's Go Crazy on the Grammys. And I remember when he came out, and I like Bruno Mars, but when he came out, he was wearing the purple. And I'm like, okay, you know, the vocal's going to be close because Bruno's pretty good. But then he had the guitar, and I'm like, is he going to play the leads? So, like, the first guitar solo, at least he was close. The ending, he wasn't even in the ballpark, <laughs> right? So, if you're going to do it, and, do you know, it. I get to yeah. be nerdy like this, right? Like, I want Manichetti to do it perfect. And if you're going to do a Y&T song, you better do it perfect, yeah, right? So exactly. He's doing it on the Grammys. He wasn't even close. So, then I saw a Prince tribute at Vegas. And it's a professional Prince tribute thing in Vegas, and they're doing Let's Go Crazy. I'm like, oh, man, God, I hope he doesn't mess up these guitar parts. And the singer who was playing Prince did not do the lead guitar. He had the other guy do it. Perfection to the note. Yeah. Like, they had it perfect. So if you get a chance, I think it's called a Purple Experience. I think that's what it's called. I saw that. I saw that, It's really good. Yeah, I did see that. The time stuff that they do is pretty good, too. Yeah, I, I don't remember them. It's been years and years since I've seen them. They've been around. In fact, I saw them in Vegas. I saw them in Vegas. Anyway, uh, so Fink would know. He was there. He was involved. And they definitely recorded the probably the foundation was recorded live. But then they went and did some basic tracking at the warehouse in St. Louis. And then they did some edits at Sunset Sound in Hollywood. That's the recording sessions for this song. They all occurred in '83. Uh, was that basic uh, live recording was done at First Avenue, uh, just like Fink was talking about. But yeah, I, I believe that's probably true. It just, yeah. uh, you know, they overdubbed and edited after they laid down the basic track. But I love that song, you know. It's just a cool, cool tune, awesome guitar, and you can't help but smile when you hear that tune. That's, that tune makes me smile, man, uh, so I love it. So I'm good, man. It's it's good to celebrate something a little bit different, celebrate the life of Prince, keep it positive, and yep. uh, share a little bit different side to you and I because, you know, it's not – can't always be priest and, and skid row. Well, it actually, it can be. And for the most part it is. So don't get any ideas. Uh, I'll be honest with you. So uh, this is about as far out as you're probably ever going to see this show venture, because I don't, I don't ever see us being one of those shows that's all over the map. Uh, that's why I whore myself out to other podcasts. <laughs> so you can do the show that you want. Yeah, so if you're listening and you want to do a temptation show, just call me. We can do a temptation show. I would love to go on somebody else's show and talk about the Eagles <laughs> or the Beatles. I can't even do it on my own show. What the hell? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> it is kind of funny, but it is true. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't want to get too crazy. I like to keep things, you know, we built a following. I like to keep things on the straight path and... Yeah, I'd like to think that 
everybody that listens to the show is open mind. We'll find out after this one <laughs> gets released, <laughs> but, uh, but it's all good. You know, I mean, Hey, it's all about music. Anything music related is good to me. So, all right. So let's close out our 10th choice. My last pick here. And we're going to go all the way to the beginning off the first album. Song starts with like a AOR type of guitar lick. Shows off his lead guitar skills. It's a mix of like funk, soul, guitar driven rock, guitar driven rock. It's sexy. Song's called I'm Yours.
sweet. Your mom, Sonny. You're so yeah. awesome. Right. That's sweet. <laughs> uh, oh, my gosh. All right. Well, cool. This was kind of fun, right? Love it, love it, love it. Love but, you it. know, I'm going to have to do a Hall of Notes with somebody else. So, you know, that's cool. Yeah. As much as I love Hall of Notes, I don't think that we can put the Growing Up Rock sticker on it. <laughs> that's growing That's growing up uh, something else. Uh, that's funny. Maybe one day, dude, if we build the podcast and build the following and we, and we become mega big in terms of uh, downloads and stuff, maybe we can start branching out and doing like – growing up pop and growing up r&b i mean seriously oh, there you go yeah seriously yeah. that would be kind of cool right yeah so that is lis- cool. listeners get on board and start sharing our episodes damn it build that following <sighs> for us so we can branch out and become a mega empire and do different types of music that would be awesome i would love doing that that'd be fantastic but heavy metal and hard rock is where my heart is and i can't get away from it so we will be back next week. We got some cool interviews coming up and some cool stuff. We've done some cool interviews at the time that this uh, will release. We will have released the uh, Paul Dean Loverboy episode. So hopefully you guys enjoyed my conversation with Paul Dean from Loverboy. And yeah, got some cool stuff we'll keep secret for now, but Get out there, donate to the Rockin' Pod 2 Expo in the name of Grown Up Rock. Please, please help us out. Please share these episodes. Please share the word of Grown Up Rock. We're trying to do right by you people. And that's that's going to be it for me. Yeah, and for me, just uh, you know, engage with us on Facebook, Twitter. Let us know what you think. If you got uh, show episode ideas, let us know, and we'll try to incorporate them. Otherwise, thank you very much for the support. I would love to hear on Facebook what you guys think of this episode. So take to Facebook and uh, let us know, good or bad. I don't I don't care. I'd just be interested in hearing the feedback. All right. So shuffle, rattle, and roll time, right? Yep. Sonny, take us out of here. All right. I got a Prince playlist. I am shuffling it right now. We will catch you next week. Later. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 